You're listening to Sermon Audio from Grace Mosaic, a congregation of the Grace DC Network in Northeast DC. For more information about our church, visit us online at gracemosaic.org. In 1965, soul singer Otis Redding wrote and recorded the song Respect. And when he released the song, it it was successful, but it was successful primarily in the African-American community. But two years later, Aretha Franklin took that song, made it her own, and transformed it into a Grammy award-winning international hit. And the reason why Aretha's cover of Respect transcended the original song was because when she took the song, she invested it with new meaning. The lyrics meant something different coming from the queen of soul because she transformed the song into an anthem for the civil rights movement, the national struggle of women for respectful treatment, and the human rights activists across the world. As Aretha's biographer, David Ritz, put it, When Aretha covered Respect, after she reshaped the song, it took on a universality that the original never had. And it's reported that when Otis Redding first heard Aretha Franklin's cover of the song that he wrote, Otis said, well, I guess the song is hers now. (laughs) He recognized that the cover was even better than the original. In Exodus 15, come on, Moses wrote and sang his song by the sea. And when he released the song, it was a song of victorious celebration for the nation of Israel because they had been rescued from the Egyptian enemy that was pursuing them to re-enslave them in Egypt. In Moses' song by the sea, he celebrates what God has done for the people of Israel by destroying their cruel oppressor, Egypt. But on that first Easter morning, Jesus Christ took this song, made it his own, and transformed it into a cross-cultural international hit. The reason why this song has been an Easter hit in the church from its earliest days is because when this song is sung from the King of Kings, it takes on a whole new meaning. It has a transcendent meaning because he's transformed this song into an anthem for all those freed from the fear of death, for all those who have escaped the sting of death, for all those who have overcome the power and finality of death through his resurrection from the dead. The song of Moses in the mouth of Jesus takes on a universality that the original never had. And if you talked with Moses on that first Easter morning, uh, Moses would have said, well, I guess that song is his now. Moses knows that the cover is better than even the original. And from the beginning of the Exodus story, we have seen that the cover is better than the original. It's one thing to hear Moses say to Pharaoh, let my people go that they may serve the Lord. But it's another thing altogether to hear Jesus say to death, let my people go 
that they may serve me. It's one thing to see Moses bringing Pharaoh into submission and destruction. But it's another thing altogether when you see Jesus bringing death into submission and destruction. You see, the cover is even better than the original. It's one thing to see Moses raising his hands over the sea to part it and to make a way for God's people to go through. But it's another thing altogether to see Jesus himself lifted up over death to create a pathway through the grave for his people to follow. You see, the cover is even better than the original. And after they cross over on dry ground, there isn't a dry eye as the people of Israel celebrate and rejoice in God's powerful flex of his glory over the evil of Egypt. And how much more should our eyes be rivers when we know the joy of having participated in the resurrection through faith in Jesus? Friends, Jesus has taken this song this morning He has transformed it and he has now given it to his church. Now, I want you to understand something. It may be a little bit stark when you first read it and you hear what God does to the Egyptians, what what God does to Pharaoh's army. But what you have to see is this was just the seedbed. This was just making it personalized so that you can appreciate just what it is that Jesus did to death. Because when he takes the song of Exodus 15, which was always meant to be covered by Jesus, this is something of what you should hear. Now, now we can say this. Jesus has given this song to the church now. Exodus 15 is yours if you are in Jesus this morning. It's your song. And now we can victoriously sing. I will sing to the Lord for he has triumphed gloriously. Death and the grave he has thrown into the sea. The Lord is my strength and my song, and he has become my salvation. This is my God, and I will praise him. My father's God, and I will exalt him. The Lord is a man of war. The Lord is his name. War, I'm about peace. But doesn't it depend upon who you're at war with? To know that Jesus is at war with all the things that plague us. That Jesus went to war with all the things that afflict us. That Jesus went to war with all the things that terrorize us. That Jesus went to war with all the things that depress us and cause us anxiety. He went to war with everything that disrupts shalom in this world. His was a holy war in the truest sense of the word. Chapter 15 verse 4. Death and the host of hell he has cast into the sea. And sin and sorrow sunk in the sea. The floods covered them and they went down into the depths like a stone. Your right hand, O Lord, glorious in power. Your right hand, O Lord, shatters the enemy. Our culture has tried everything to avoid death. Everything to conceal death. If you go through a a funeral service these days, the people who run these shows have done everything to pretty up death. But it is the the ugly that cannot be done away with by our human means. We can try to diminish it and say it's just a natural part of life. But everything within us knows that death is an alien intruder. It was never meant to be a part of this world. There's nothing less natural than death. We try 
to, to deal with the bodies of the deceased and embalm them and they looked good. Everything in our culture tries to hide it away, to, 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 to put it off through medicines and procedures and surgeries and, and eating green and, and working out. We tried to delay it, but death is waiting for everybody. But here's the good news. Here's the good news. What Jesus has done to death has rendered death to be nothing more than a short nap for God's people. Death is now like an afternoon nap for God's people. And we wake up to glory. Jesus has turned death into a a bellhop that that brings us along to our, our room in the many mansions that Jesus has prepared. Death could not handle him, and now it cannot handle us. This is what Jesus has done to the grave. He has shattered the enemy. And I want to tell you something this morning. If you are wrestling with the Christian faith today, if you're trying to figure out what it's all about, what's the difference here? What difference is Christianity? Aren't all religions the same? I I know that's popular today. It's just simply not true. Here's the difference that Jesus makes. And I'm going to put it very succinctly. Every other religious vantage point is trying to help you to cope with death through your performance, through behavioral management. Get your emotions under control. You can cope with death, but it's only in the Christian faith that you can conquer death, that you can be a victor, that you can rise to wear a crown. And you can know for certain, empirically, as certainly as Jesus rose from the dead, that stubborn fact of the resurrection, you most certainly will if you are united to him by faith. It's that simple. There's no other explanation for the church. There's no other explanation for what we have in this groundbreaking growth of this, this community of faith. That they built everything upon this idea, this reality that Jesus rose from the dead. That he who was hung up on the cross and put in the tomb was seen alive. And he did everything possible in the Gospels to show us that he was not some apparition. He was not some kind of ghost. He said, Thomas, put your fingers in my side. He said, hey, y'all, let me make breakfast. Does a ghost eat fried fish? (laughs) This was their eyewitness testimony. There was no reason why they would ever build their lives on what they knew to be patently false when it brought them no earthly benefit. Now, it's one thing today in America where in certain segments of the country, being a Christian might get you some social capital. But in the first century world, it could get you capital punishment. There was no earthly benefit, no explanation for why they would behave the way they did, for why they would rejoice in being beaten by the authorities who told them to speak no more in this name. There's no other explanation for why they would suffer like they did and sacrifice like they did and love like they did and ultimately die like they did unless Jesus got out of the grave. It is the stubborn fact that intellectual integrity demands that you take seriously and that you investigate it. And you consider it and by grace, believe it. Verse 10. 
Moses says in his song that God blew his wind and he parted the sea. But when Jesus covers this song, it's the spirit of God who blows over the body of Jesus and he rises to to split death in half. Verse 11, who is like you, O Lord, among the gods? Who is like you, majestic in holiness, awesome in glorious deeds, doing wonders? You stretched out your right hand. The earth swallowed them. You have led in your steadfast love the people whom you have redeemed. This is my favorite part. You have guided them by your strength to your holy abode. You see, on the other side of the sea, when Egypt was in the rearview mirror, they knew that they were on their way to the land of promise. They had confidence. It wasn't going to be an easy journey. It was going to be a journey that had trials and struggles to face. There were going to be hard things to face. But they knew that ultimately their greatest enemy, their 430 years of slavery enemy, their make more bricks with no straw enemy, the enemy that ground them and had them under his thumb, the enemy that was throwing their babies into the Nile River, the greatest enemy was defeated. And now they could press on and hope that they would indeed head toward the promised land. And when you know that through union with Christ, that real death is in your rearview mirror, that Jesus has punched a hole through death, that as empty as the grave of Jesus is to this day, your grave shall as surely be emptied in the resurrection. You can press on knowing that you are an heir of that promised inheritance, the promised land. When you see your great savior rising from the dead as a warrior, victorious in battle over death, then you see your greatest fear sinking to the bottom of the sea. You see your greatest enemy sinking to the bottom of the sea to rise no more. You see your greatest insecurities, your greatest sins, failures, and faults sinking to the bottom of the sea to rise no more. It's true. Our vision of the resurrection gets clouded and obscured. And our celebrations are often short-lived. But one day soon, our celebration will kick into overdrive And it will know no end. The Apostle John, who wrote the book of Revelation, he saw that day of endless celebration. He saw that day of unobscured victory. And he decided to write his own song. And it comes in the book of Revelation chapter 15. I want you to listen to this carefully to see where I'm getting this whole cover song of Jesus. Revelation chapter 15, beginning with verse 1. John says, then I saw another sign in heaven, great and amazing, seven angels with seven plagues, which are the last for with them, the wrath of God is finished. And I saw what appeared to be a sea, a sea of glass mingled with fire and also those who had conquered the beast and its image and the number of its name standing beside the sea with harps of God. Are you seeing the imagery here? John sees that future company standing beside a sea of glass with harps of God in their hands. Listen. And they sing the song of Moses, the servant of God, and the song of the Lamb. 
Do you see what John sees? He sees the cover song that Jesus has done with the song of Moses in the new heavens and new earth in glory. And they said this, great and amazing are your deeds, O Lord God, the Almighty. Just and true are your ways, O King of the nations. Who will not fear, O Lord, and glorify your name? For you alone are holy. Listen to this. Not just Israel, but all nations will come and worship you. Not just Israel. Israel's there too, but not just Israel. Israel's like, come on, y'all. Come on in and and join the song. All nations will come and worship you for your righteous acts have been revealed. Theologian J.I. Packer once said that any theology that does not lead to song is at a fundamental level, a flawed theology. If your theology does not lead to song, if it doesn't lead to joy, if it doesn't lead to celebration, if your theology doesn't leave you lifting your hands sometimes, if your theology doesn't leave you in tears sometimes because of his goodness to you in Jesus Christ, if your theology, your way of thinking about God leaves you with the idea that he's just okay, Yours is a flawed theology because here's the deal. Everything about the gospel says two things. One, we're not okay. Everything about the cross says that we're not okay. We are more corrupt and broken and needy than we could ever imagine. But guess what? Everything about the cross and resurrection says that God is not okay. He's better than great. He's unimaginably good. He's incalculably awesome. You can't get enough adjectives around him to do him justice. 10,000 times 10,000 years by all the myriad of God's people will just begin to scratch the surface of the glory due his name. Let your thinking about God be interrogated this morning and ask yourself this question. Is that theology shot through with resurrection hope and resurrection joy? Do you have warrant to be the most skippinest, happiest, joyful person down the street? Because if Jesus can make you firm and bold and confident as you stare death in the face, knowing that it's a defeated foe, He can equip you to deal with anything that you have to carry today, tomorrow, next week. As you get older and your physical body starts to break down, even that won't get you down. You'll start to sing with that with that old song. Can no grave hold my body down? You know that even your physical body is going to be renewed. And when we see one another in glory, we'll be astonished. First of all, that we're there. Second of all, at what God is able to make of broken sinners like us. It's only resurrection power that can do that. To make saints of sinners. To glorify those who are most despicable. As C.S. Lewis said, if today you could see what your neighbor would look like in glory. You would be tempted to bow down and worship him. No more breathing machines, no more insulin, no more chemo, no more tears, 
No more hospital visits. No more poverty. No more wondering where your next meal is coming from. No more wondering if you're going to be able to pay the light bill. No more wondering if you're going to get evicted from your house. No more wondering how we're going to make it living in a community together where everyone's at enmity with one another and pawn and grasping for control of the city. Because in that city, the lamb will be the light. And every one of God's people will have a home. And no one will have to worry about what's next. Because the next thing after the next thing after the next thing is going to get more and more glorious and astonishingly beautiful because of Jesus. Family, let us love and sing and wonder today because the cover is even better than the original. Jesus Christ is risen. Amen. Let's pray. Mosaic. For more information about our church, visit us online at gracemosaic.org.